All right. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are live with the Boca Podcast again. Welcome back. If you are watching live, if you're streaming this on facebook.com slash Boca Podcast or youtube.com slash Photogs Edit, welcome. Please don't hesitate to engage, ask questions, make comments, send us funny emojis. We want this to be a two-way street, to be a conversation. And we certainly welcome that. We look forward to that. For those of you who are listening to the audio version after the fact, make sure to follow us at Boca or Instagram.com slash Boca Podcast so that you can keep up to date with the, the latest live streams that we're pushing out. We're usually going to do about two a week. So keep up to date by following us on Instagram at Boca Podcast. But it is my privilege to be joined today by a longtime friend of mine, Carrie Denny. Carrie, thank you for hanging out with me. It's been way too yeah. long since we actually got to hang out in person. I know. Too. I know. It's really kind of sad. I was thinking about that. Actually, I was driving to Vegas um, for a baseball tournament, for our son's baseball tournament. Okay. And I was driving solo. So I was listening to your podcast. Oh, no and way. I was just, I was like listening to you talk to somebody else about like, getting to meet up. And I was like, yeah, it's been a long time, Nathan. <laughs> like- <laughs> it has. And there have been certain instances. Um, and I found this true with your husband field as well, that I, we sit down in conversation and it like, we can just kind of skip past the surface level stuff and oh, go deep in sure. conversation. That's always been my favorite thing about you. Uh, it's, and, and I hope we get to do that again today. <laughs> and for all of our listeners, just to give a little bit of context to Carrie, before we jump into the, to all the, the rapid fire mm-hmm. questions and the main topic for today, which I'm really excited about actually, um, let's give our, list, our listeners just a little bit of context about your brand. We're going to talk about brand position specifically here in just a second, but I'm popping your website up here on the screen for those of you who are watching, aceandwim.com and then aceandwim on Instagram, just like it sounds for those of you who are listening to the audio. I'm going to actually jump over to your website here real quick. Just give our in, our listeners a brief intro to your brand, what it is that you actually do, because it's it's rare that we have somebody on who is focused more on design than on photography. Yes. Well, um, a little backstory on, on Ace and Women in general. So we actually started as a husband-wife um, photography team, and we shot portraits and weddings for um, 10 years. And when I kind of got to a point where our kids were getting older and I was missing a lot of their weekend stuff, I really just had to shift my business. I had to pivot somewhere else that would allow me to still be creative, still use all my skill set that I had gained as a photographer, but then also um, be able to spend quality time with my family. So um, that's kind of where Ace and Wim design was kind of, it was really just a transition. It wasn't even Mm. like a new business or anything like that. It was kind of, it was an awkward transition because people would still reach out to us to shoot weddings. Mm. But I was like, well, we don't do that anymore. But, (laughs) you know, (laughs) if you ever need a designer, we can do that for you. So um, Ace and Wim was um, obviously created uh, for wedding photography. And then when we did make the transition, we really noticed that we were attracting the same clients, um, even though they weren't wedding clients, they were still have that, they still had that same mentality of this like very down to earth, natural, organic, earthy Mm. type people. So, um, I don't, that must just be the vibe I put off. So that's (laughs) definitely, which is good. Like, I love it. You know, like I would, I would spend my whole day in like a, you know, enchanted garden if I could, (laughs) but, um, I am excited that I get to like connect with those types of businesses and Mm. make an impact on them. So, um, Coming from a place of photography, understanding who photographers are, how they work, what their needs are, and 
and really recognizing it's so difficult to put together a, a high quality website that actually has a good conversion. And yes. like, we understand that and mm. we've, we've lived that photography life and we know that they're, we, we pretty much know everyone's target market at this point, you okay. know, what, what they're looking for. So um, for us, it was kind of just a, it was really natural as far as a transition for me to go into business that way. It was awkward for our clients more than anything, you know, like they were like, oh, you don't shoot weddings anymore. Okay. So, um, well, and as, yeah. as we're talking here and, and actually Carrie, if you don't mind, your hair is rubbing against the mic just a little oh. bit on the, on the earbuds there. If you don't mind pulling back just a little bit, but I, I want to yeah, show our it. listeners uh, and this is a great segue, actually, into my first question about brand position. Yeah. I, because, by the way, you are one of the few guests, and I've had almost, I don't know, 450 guests or so on the podcast thus far. One of the few guests that has had such a clear and distinct brand position front and center on the homepage right. of their website, <laughs> above the fold, by the way. Everybody listen in. This is this yes. is how you do a brand position statement. Right. Talk to us above about this position fold. statement uh, here at aceandwim.com. Yeah, so um, it's it's obviously pretty simple. Um, and go ahead and say work. it too, if you don't mind, yeah. for our audio listeners. Yeah, so we are a web design studio that creates modern websites for down-to-earth brands. Um, and plain what and that simple. means to I, I love plain this and simple. There's yeah. there's no question, right? <laughs> I love the simplicity of that. But when we talk about down to earth, that can be that can mean different things to different people. What does that mean specifically to you and and to your clients? For sure. Yeah. I, it definitely means different things to different people. I think right away it qualifies people for us. You, you really are either a down to earth person or you're not, or people <laughs> consider you down to earth or you're okay. not. Yep. Um, so we right away kind of want to weed out, um, anybody that's not like sincere or honest or, um, they're not ready for that type of honesty also in a relationship of building a website. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. Um, it's super important for us to kind of qualify them right off the bat for that. But also, um, we just, I really love working with brands that bring nature into what they do. So whether you're a wedding photographer that does, you know, outdoor work or landscapes or shoots, you know, shoots weddings that are all outside, okay. you know, that brings in the nature um, element to things, um, wellness brands or holistic, you know, coaches, that type of thing. We really love connecting with clients that have kind of that same mentality, no matter what their business is. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where that comes from. I, when you talk about down to earth, people who are straightforward, um, that so describes you and field. And <laughs> I've had for our listeners who don't know, of course, we've all been in the photography industry for well, how many years now? It's close to 20 for me. How about yourself? Yeah, we well, I mean, photography 12, but you know, overall working with photographers now we're up into like 16 years. So, so we, we yeah. have a lot of experience in the industry. Just we'll, we'll keep it at that. Yeah, but for sure. <laughs> I've had the wonderful opportunity to spend so much time with you guys at conferences and conversation like we talked about. I've had the opportunity to spend time at a couple of your homes, actually, over the years. Yes. And, um, and I just I so appreciate you speak about down to earth. I, I love that you've created a brand that is a true reflection of who you are. And I think, you know, it's so much easier to build a brand around a concept or a value set that is truly a reflection mm -hmm. of who you are, what it is that you want to represent to the world, what you want to offer to the world. 
I think it just flows so much more naturally that way. The clients yeah. are going to feel that they're going to experience it. And I think it also means that the brand is much more, if, for lack of a better word, scalable over time mm-hmm. because you're invested in something that is meaningful to you personally. Does that, does that make sense to you or what do you for think? For sure. Yes. Yeah. I, I definitely think that's true. I mean, we just, so much of, and I think it kind of will lead into like what we're going to talk about later, but so much of what we do is we take a really big task that's on somebody's plate and we need them to come along on the ride. Like we can't Mm. just take it over and say like, yeah, we're going to do all this for you. Like it's a relationship. And like, I don't really want to get into a relationship with somebody if they're going to be um, difficult or they're not going to accept <laughs> honesty in yeah. a relationship or yeah. truth that's going to be spoken. Mm-hmm. Um, and it goes both ways, you know, like as a designer, you have to be able to take critiques. You have to be able to, um, really understand and read somebody well. So that type of relationship is so important. And with, it is just who we are as people. So I want to work with people that are on board with that, you know? Well, I want to, I think that sets us up pretty well for my next question, which has to do with customer experience. And I ask pretty much all of our guests about this, just because it's interesting to get different takes on the process of delivering a really great customer experience. As cliche as it might sound, the topic, I think it's really at the center of building a successful business. What is the big idea that drives the customer experience that you all deliver to your clients? Yeah, so this is really going to stem right from also like just who uh, we are as people. Um, but the number one thing for us in and how we deliver um, the goods, one, I, you can never go wrong with under-promising and over-delivering, mm-hmm. never mm-hmm. in a business. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been like drilled into me since day one of like starting a business. You, mm-hmm. you under promise, you over deliver, but really the whole process of building a website, um, it's really not that much different than having like a, a family portrait, you know, session where you do all the planning and you, you work with the client. And then at the end result is obviously the images. But for us, that whole process is a relationship building process. They have to trust us. We have to trust them. Um, there's a lot that goes into it. So honesty, patience, and persistence for me is where, um, I feel like I provide the best customer service for my clients and experience. Um, we're going to have really honest conversations. I'm going to ask you tough questions about our business and, um, the patience comes in. You wouldn't believe how many clients I have when they write their review tell me how thankful they are that I'm so patient because (laughs) it's, it does, you have to really, um, there's so much back and forth Hmm. and it takes a level of, um, like swallowing your own pride and just being like, okay, this is what my client wants and this is what I'm going to deliver. And there's a fine balance of like standing your ground when it's, when it's right. And then standing your ground when, Um, or I should say giving in a little bit more when it's the best thing for your client. So, um, so you might see websites that I do that don't necessarily fit my mold of what I would do if all I did was create websites every day, all day, like (laughs) for my ideal client. Sure. But like the the reality is like when it comes down to it, I just want their business to be successful. So as long as we're honest with each other and I'm providing them Um, patience along the way in the whole process, because it is a very strenuous process to build a website. 
Um, and then persistence is just making sure that um, I'm holding them accountable to what they said they were going to deliver to me, which sure. I know is kind of like a weird relationship, but that's what you have to have. I can't build a website from nothing. Yep. So um, in, in that aspect, I need them to give me just as much as I'm giving them. And so constantly communicating with them over communication. You can never go wrong with too much communication with a client, like ever. (laughs) So true. Um, And because of that, I think we have really good outcomes. Um, But if I can interject here just real quick, I I think this is a really important conversation. And I've I've been talking about this quite a bit on the podcast as it relates to editing and Photographer's Edit, Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe a little bit selfishly, but my experience with Photographer's Edit and the process of photographers outsourcing their editing over, well, about 13 years now is such that I, I see a lot of photographers aren't used to the idea of being a manager and delegating mm-hmm. something to somebody else and, yeah. and understanding the importance of not only, to your point, developing that relationship over time so that mm-hmm. there is a clear understanding, a working relationship that's ultimately established, but committing to the communication portion of that relationship. Because yeah. whether it's editing or in this case, website design, I, as an editor, my te- my editing team can't read the minds of the photographers who are hiring right. us. You can't do yeah. that either when it comes to website design. And I would just encourage right. all of our listeners uh, to, to really take this to heart because whether it's website mm-hmm. design, editing, or anything else that you're delegating to a different company, somebody, mm-hmm. well, in-house or outside, yeah. it's important to make sure that you communicate thoroughly and, and be willing to, to commit some time to that process. Because I think some photographers, and in fact, I know I've seen it, uh, some photographers get frustrated with the process of communication. Oh, I just Mm -hmm. want to hand these images off to you and get them edited. Or maybe in your case, just design me a pretty website. And and the reality (laughs) is we can only go so far with that. So I would just encourage all of our listeners. And by the way, I say this from personal experience because I'm still working, Gary, at at learning to delegate, even to to Jill, my girlfriend, who also heads up our Uh digital marketing now, learning how to effectively communicate what it is that I'm thinking and asking for and ultimately what, what our kind of overarching goals are as a company I can't just expect her or any of our customer service team or production or otherwise to just simply read my mind. I have to communicate well, right. and I've, I've fallen short in that regard at times. So I'm still learning this process, yeah. but I want to encourage our listeners because you set us up so well for this point to commit to the process of communication when it comes to delegating, especially to mm-hmm. somebody who's designing their website. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, um, photographers are in a unique position because they do uh, harness a lot of control. Um, when it comes to their business, they really do have a lot of control over how it all works, the process, the systems, the workflows. And I would say most photographers I meet are a little bit of a, they're control freaks. Like we (laughs) just are, it's okay. Um, you know, I think if it's harnessed in the right direction, then it's really good. Um, so I think, you know, when it comes to communication, not only do you have to, as a photographer, when you're working with somebody and delegating something, you have to be willing to, one, maybe not get the answer you want and still work through that. It's, it, it, I've, it was funny because when I shot film, you, you have a lot of labs you can send your stuff out to. And it all depends on the relationship that you built with that lab. Sure. Um, whether or not you can call and say like, yeah, instead of me getting my scans back and saying like, yeah, they did a bad job. I'm just going to go ahead and switch labs. Like this was, this was a bad experience. Like to be able to actually, um, contact them and talk to them and communicate and, um, maybe not get the, the answers I want. Maybe I even did something wrong, you know, like, 
And I'm sure that you guys experience that as well as far as maybe not somebody doing something wrong, but like sometimes it's a little hard to edit something that wasn't shot that well in camera, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, it's just a matter of like honesty, like I said, in communication. Um, You know, I think at the end of the day, like we all have high expectations. I think we all have high expectations of not only ourselves, but what we expect from other people, especially when we're paying them money to do something, a task. Um, and so we, as, as clients and as, um, business owners, you want to like deliver, you know, I want to deliver, I want to meet my clients' expectations because I have high expectations and I want to make sure that, um, what they expect to happen is, is what the end result is. Yeah. And if, and if that hasn't happened, then I've let them down. But in, like you've said, like in all fairness, it's a communication thing, like, Somewhere communication broke down and we didn't, we didn't get there, you know? So it, it just, yeah, at the end of the day, it takes commitment to that process. And that's kind of all I, ultimately, I, I, I'd love that you brought this up because it really needs to be highlighted. And I'll keep saying it for our listeners who are regular listeners. You'll keep hearing me talk about it, but it's really important because if we're going to scale a business, we have to delegate. And if we're yes. going to delegate, we have to commu- communicate effectively, or it's just going to go south. And, and you really Absolutely. can't, to your point, Carrie, for those of you listening in, you can't just simply do it once and then give up if the experience isn't right. positive from the get-go because it is a process that you have to communicate or you have to commit to. It's really important. But I want to yeah. transition to our next question because we have a lot to talk about here. We, we're talking about communication. Communication is also at the center of family <laughs> relationships. And, and I want to hear a little bit about your relationship with Field and certainly with your kids too, as it relates mm-hmm. to time management. Talk yeah. to me, speaking of communication, about some of the conversations that you and Field have had over the years running your own business about how to kind of balance business and family life simultaneously. For sure. Yeah. Um, so it's a little, I'm totally going to try not to get like emotional about this, but Field's been out of town quite, quite a bit. Mm. Um, he's working out of state. And mm. so the balance of like running a business, um, basically having a relationship online, like being a long distance wife and then, um, raising three kids. Like we have three children that, um, our youngest is 12. So we have basically teenagers. Um, and it, it definitely is challenging all throughout different stages of our marriage, of our life. We've, um, gosh, I would say, I mean, we were maybe married three years when we started a business. So um, just that constant, constant communication, like going back, but also this really leads into going forward as far as communication. Like you wouldn't just stop communicating with your spouse if like they didn't give you the answer you wanted and Mm. just quit and like walk away. I mean, I guess you can, but like that's, (laughs) that's definitely not recommended. Um, I wouldn't recommend it. And, um, it's always been a conversation for Field and I. Family is so important to us. Our kids are so important. Our marriage is so important. So for us, like our marriage and our kids come first and the business comes next for us. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just the, the priorities we have set. So anytime, um, I mean, there's a, like people get into business for all different reasons. I personally wanted freedom of my time, of my um, controlled Same. my schedule, all yeah. those things. And yeah. so it looks different at every stage of life because things shift and you have to, you have to make changes. But, um, for field and I just always having those honest conversations of, Hey, like I know we're in a busy season, but like, when is the busy season going to stop? Or like, um, what can we do in order to delegate something to somebody else or outsource if we need to, because sure. 
we're overwhelmed and we're not spending as much time with our kids as we needed to. Or in, yeah. in our case, I'm, I'm kind of over spending every weekend, you know, shooting a wedding when my kids are playing ball games and I'm yeah. missing them. Yeah. Like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. So, um, yeah, mine and Field's relationship is really special because we've been together since we were teenagers. So we've really weathered <laughs> some storms. You know, we've really been through a lot. We've changed as people, but we've never grown apart. Um, but that constant communication is what keeps us together. And that constant um, check and balance of like, hey, like, this is getting a little out of control, like as far as maybe work goes or spending too much time, even just on your phone, you know, like it's maybe it's not important to respond to that DM that you just got, like, you know, like take, take some time and, um, you know, pay attention to what's going on right in front of you. Sure. So um, just being able, I think we've always struggled separately with it. Like mm. it's usually him or me that's like, too invested in work and then we have yeah. to like reel the other person back like hey sure. remember like our number I'm one is us <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so and I know that doesn't necessarily um align with everybody's point of view or even their situation but um that's just what it is for us I, I love it and by the way again I've had the the wonderful privilege of being on the outside kind of observing watching and and talking to you guys too about your relationship yeah. And I just, I have a lot of respect. And I, as, as for those of you who are just listening to the audio version uh, of this, I was scrolling through the website. I'll pull it up here again for everybody who's watching yeah. online. But just and looking at some of these pictures of the two of you, and, and they're, they're truly beautiful. Uh, who, who was it actually, by the way, that photographed these for you? Uh, Daniel Kim. Oh, okay. Well, shout yeah. out to Daniel. Beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful images. He's but it, it definitely captures the, the vibe, the, the, the dynamic, the chemistry between the two of you all as well. And, and I really love that. And I've gotten to see that in person. I love that you all prioritize that. And I think it's just a good reminder for all of us. At the end of the day, a lot of times it's not about complicated or you know, earth shattering workflows that we put mm-hmm. into place to make time. We just have to say, you know what? We're making time. Like this is the priority yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. This I comes think just first. checking in. You just got to check mm-hmm. in. You just have to make that effort. Like honestly, even right now, long distance, like sometimes yeah. it's, I'm like, no, I don't have time to FaceTime right now. Like I'm mm. super busy, you know, sure, sure. <laughs> like, and, um, but it's even in those moments being like, you know what I do, like, I do have time. I have five minutes to like talk to my husband and check on him and see how his day's going and let him, you know, get a peek into what the kids are doing, um, sure. while he's gone and stuff. So, yeah. um, you just have to make that a priority. I think if whatever you make, a priority is, is what happens in your life. Like 100%. Yep. Like if your number one is your marriage, then that will show like, mm-hmm. and that's just who we are as people. And that's how we've always been. Um, and our kids, you know, get upset cause they're like, why aren't we your number one? And I'm like, first of all, <laughs> there's, there's three of you. So it would make it a little hard to make one of you number one. Yeah. But, um, you know, we also firmly believe that, um, without a good, love and foundation in our marriage that our kids actually will not thrive. So, um, and I, I feel like that's a pretty good representation. Like our kids are a good representation of the fact that that works. Mm. So, wow. That's a loaded topic. Well, loaded. we'll leave that, we'll leave that alone. Again, much respect though, seriously for what you guys have created together. I know it's not been easy to, but, um, I, I, I love, I love the dynamic that you guys have between the two of you. Let me totally shift gears. I want to ask you about, 
a book or maybe a couple of books that stand out yeah. to you that have been super impactful, whether on a personal level or in a business level over the last few years? Yeah. Um, so this is going to be one that everybody reads. Well, I should say most people read. I've read it probably five to six times, but okay. the Donald Miller building a brand story. Yeah. I mean, you just can't go wrong. I, mm. I literally, so there was a period of time, there was two, almost three years where I um, ran a main street department for a, a government, for city government. Yeah. And um, it was all about helping small businesses. And I read that book twice to try to really help my small businesses thrive and help our Main Street program thrive. It Mm. applies to almost every, it applies to every business. Mm -hmm. But every time I read it, I don't always read the whole thing. I don't take everything I ever read like fully to heart. I'm always somebody who like picks little pieces of things that I like and, and runs with them. So, um, but that's, it's such a super practical book. And I've said this on the podcast before, but unlike so many business books where you get kind of 80, 20, 20% is like actually practical, actionable information. And the 80% is just kind of fluff to build it up. Mm-hmm. Donald writes kind of the other direction. It's more 80% is actionable information. It's practical yes. and, and minimal fluff, if you will. Have right. you read uh, marketing made simple kind of the sequel to that? I haven't. No, I haven't read that one. I highly recommend that. And then, you know, another one, and maybe I've talked to you guys about this before. There's another one called um, Scary Close. Have you heard of his book called Scary Close? No, it's also by Donald Miller. Yeah, Yeah, totally. And and I didn't didn't make the connection initially. So Jill and I, when we were dating long distance, she lived in the Atlanta area. I'm up here in Chattanooga. Before she moved up here, we were were doing the long distance thing. One of the ways that we would Mm -hmm. connect is we'd get on the phone in the evenings and I'd read to her. Uh, or we would read to each other. And Scary Close was one of those books. It was Donald Miller. And it's it's all about developing or building an intimate relationship. It's not just specific to oh. romantic relationships, but it's yeah, but beautifully, just beautifully rela- uh, written. And I didn't, I didn't make the connection when I then later read Building a Story Brand. And I'm like, oh, this is the same guy. It's the craziest That's thing. That's crazy. I'm going to have to it get you. It would make sense though. <laughs> oh, it's, it, he is he's a super thoughtful guy and, and it comes yeah. through in, you know, kind of two different elements of life, but I'm going to have to get mm-hmm. you in, in, um, feel a copy of this book, Scary Close. It's a beautiful, beautiful book. It, yeah, I'm gonna, I love that. I also just love that you would read to each other. That's so sweet. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things. I just love it. There's something about it. I don't know. I think my, my dad read to, to me and my brothers growing up. And so yeah. there's this kind of sentimental value to that. And then mm-hmm. as my kids, uh, when my kids were younger, I would read to them as well. And then they, it got to a point where they were kind of bored of that for some reason. I'm like, what? I don't, yeah. I don't, my voices aren't good enough. I'm not reading <laughs> fast enough. What's going on? <laughs> so then Jill let me read to her. So that was, that worked out well. <laughs> That's really nice. That's good. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the best things about his book is, and this is what I appreciate about books. I don't like just I'm not somebody who just enjoys reading. Hmm. I really want to read to learn. So for me, like the reason I go back to that book is because like you said, it's actionable. Like there's things in there that I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that I I Mm. need to take this step or I need to ask myself these questions in order Mm -hmm. to get the answers I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. So um, I love books that have like workflows that ask questions that like make you work. So I love homework. (laughs) 
Love it. You love homework? <laughs> love homework. <laughs> well, we're going to link to that book in the show notes for everybody listening. And if you've not read yeah. Building a Story Brand, it's, it would probably be my number one business book recommendation because it's sure. just so practical. And so I'm glad that you bring that up. We'll link to that yeah. in the show notes for everybody listening in or watching, bocapodcast.com and uh, check out that book. Make sure you get a copy. It's available on audio and Kindle and physical copy and all the different ways you might read yeah. it. So. Uh, anyway, 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 I have I have it all the ways. <laughs> well, and, and then I'm and then I haven't finished it yet. I've been kind of slowly reading it, but Marketing Made Simple is his his uh, sequel to that. Yeah, and, I and it kind of to... takes it next level and and okay. makes it super even more practical. Actually, believe it or not, than than what Building okay. a Story Brand was. Really, really good. So highly That's recommend good. that to everybody listening in as yeah. well. But I, I want to jump to our kind of our primary focus in conversation today. I yeah. know people logged in are like, okay, we want to hear about website design. How do we actually <laughs> build a website that converts clients? And I, I was this is a little bit tongue in cheek for me because I've seen a lot of pretty websites in the photography mm-hmm. industry. And yeah. I, I've certainly aimed to create pretty websites for my companies as well. Mm-hmm. I know that I haven't always designed uh, or tried to design a website with conversion in mind the way that you would. And we're going to get into how we can have both the pretty and the converting website today. Right. But maybe just to kind of to introduce our listeners to this concept, let's let's talk a little bit about what elements you have seen in the photography industry, uh, elements of a website that would maybe be considered, quote unquote, pretty, uh, visually mm-hmm. appealing to a photographer, yeah. maybe to their potential clients. Uh, but not necessarily helpful, or in fact, maybe even detrimental when it comes to converting a potential client. For sure. Yeah. So um, I definitely have, so I have three listed out um, that we're going to talk about today. And um, one of the ones that I think we get a little caught up in, especially in, in the wedding industry, um, is using pretty fonts that are difficult to read. Yeah. Because... <laughs> And I mean, it's, I, I, I get it like scripts, beautiful, you know, like it is there, there's a place for calligraphy for Mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's a huge, um, it's a huge mistake as far as using it throughout your website in Mm -hmm. areas that are important, um, versus as an accent. So, um, you know, scripts should really only be used as, things that people don't really have to read. I know that sounds terrible, but that's scripts are for the like, Oh, Hey there. Or, um, you know, nice to see you like there. It's not for the call to actions or the important pieces of text that you don't want people to miss as far Mm -hmm. as like what kind of photographer you are or something like that. Because honestly, people may see it, but if they can't read it, they're not they're not absorbing it. So I see that a lot on websites. Um, people use script even in their paragraph text. Huge mistake. Don't ever do that. Like that's very, that's terrible. Well, I have <laughs> You to, cannot what, do that. And while we're on this, I, I want to pull your website back up for, for those of you who are watching. And for those of you listening, yeah. make sure you go to facebook.com slash book podcast and you can see the video replay of this. And you can also go to just go to aceandwim.com. But on the homepage of your website, Carrie, that, that brand position statement we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. is in big, uh, almost mm-hmm. bold font, all caps. Yeah. Uh, there are just a few words. So it's not like they have to comb through paragraphs of text to get the message. But to your right. point, it's a very, it's a sans serif font. It's easy to read. And mm-hmm. they can basically read it just at a glance versus like you're talking about. And I've seen it, script font, even big script font 
that photographers yeah. are utilizing to try to be pretty, but you literally have to stare at it and kind of squint a little bit and maybe try to figure out what that thing is saying. That's the last mm-hmm. thing that we want when our potential client's attention span is relatively limited. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, um, I see it, you see it a lot. You see it a lot less. Um, there was definitely like a peak of script font being used, um, throughout websites sure. and people have really like reeled it in a little bit, but, um, I definitely think it's one of those things that it is beautiful and it has its place on a website for sure. Use it with areas of like simple headers that people can skip over that don't have, um, that don't weigh importantly on your website. Right. So yeah, that was, that's one of them for sure. Good. I've got my pen um, out. I'm literally taking notes. So we've got script okay. font. That's number one. What's number two? Yeah. Um, and so this one I actually have been guilty of before. Um, not only in, in building websites, but in my own website, um, Hmm. is too little copy. So taking like the minimalist approach just a little too far. Um, there's something to minimalism 100%. I'm, it's beautiful. Like we, you can't really go wrong as far as aesthetically pleasing. I'm obsessed Um, with it. (laughs) I mean, it's so beautiful. Yeah. But um, I think it leaves the client a little confused about what to do, where to go, Mm. unless there's really clear – typically that type of design is um, minimal in all aspects. And so really you're you're losing the opportunity to say important things to, you know, maybe – provide some really good calls to action, that type of thing. And I think too, people um, copy on your website is hard. It's really hard. And so when you get to a place where like, you just don't know what to put, it it ends up being really minimal. And it's like, oh, that's probably not the best approach. Um, Especially if it's something important, like who you are as a photographer, as a person, Um, when somebody wants to come on your website and connect with you, like when you have so little to say about yourself or, um, what you do, or maybe like speaking directly to your client, if you're not using that opportunity, then I, I do think that you really are, are missing, um, a chance to, um, connect with them. So, um, so can I ask you a couple questions? It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I, didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt. F- finish your thought. Oh, no, finish you're your fine. Thought. I was going to say as beautiful as minimalism is, I, I do think that it's something people like take a little too far. So, uh, and I know I've been guilty of that. In, in fact, I, I know that in fact, Jill and I were just meeting today. We have a, a weekly marketing meeting and we've got ultimately multiple brands to manage, but we were specifically talking about photographers edit mm-hmm. and what we could do to further refine that experience. We were just getting some uh, feedback actually from not only a friend, but also a former podcast guest here on on, on Boca, Gustavo Fernandez was looking over our website and said, and made some suggestions about copy certainly, but Mm -hmm. to your earlier point, also calls, calls to action. I think there are certain things that we could do to not only clarify the copy, but also make clear calls to action, call out particular market segments as well. Um, I, I think I think where part of the reason I tend to kind of go to the extreme when it comes to minimalism is I go to these photographers' websites and I am just inundated with paragraphs of text. It seems like that's yes. more the tendency than minimalism in many cases. And yeah. I, I feel, and, and actually to your point, part of that, those paragraphs of text is the kind of endless discussion about themselves, about their mm-hmm. journey and their photography background and this thing and that. And 
I, I get, I may be a little bit cynical after this long in the industry, but there's, there's a big part of me that says, does the client really have that much interest initially before the relationships yeah. even started and reading mm-hmm. all this stuff about you and your dreams and your passion and all this stuff, they want a photographer and a particular kind of photographer. Is it really time to go there? So what, what would you say is kind of the, the balance there? We don't want too little. We don't want too right. much. How do we find the balance? Yeah. So especially when it comes to something like your about, um, obviously an about page is one thing to where you actually have the ability to go in depth on, on all things related to you, your favorite things, like Mm. who you are as a person, like if you like tacos or not, who, you know, like go crazy on your about page. But the reality is people are going to be on your homepage and they're either going to take an action from that homepage or they're going to leave. So for a homepage, there's, there's definitely, and it doesn't have to necessarily be a minimum amount or a maximum amount of words. Okay. It's, it's what you say about yourself as far as, um, if you are using something that's a little bit more minimal, like then it needs to at least create some urge for them to click on the more yeah. about, you know, okay. Okay. because that's where you can go crazy. And even that, like there has to be some flow and some breaking up of things mm. to keep people like going through it. You you can't just like slap a page long paragraph and expect people to read it because they won't. People really will not read it. Well, um, and, and I like there's you exemplified this beautifully on the homepage of your website. Again, for everybody listening in, aceandwim.com. For those of you watching live, you can see this, but it's it's just a, a brief amount of text with a beautiful picture of the two of you and then a link to get to know us. And that actually takes the the individual to the about page. And right. I think that's a great example of how to, to tease them, how to draw them in a little bit, but not yeah. bore them to death with endless paragraphs of text about stuff that they may not necessarily be interested at that moment in the relationship. For sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just the way you, you have to do it. You have to make, um, it's really similar to like, uh, like a social media strategy or something like that. It's like, you have to hook them mm. if you want them to click on your link or you want them to like it or something like that. It's similar okay. in that aspect that, um, you know, there's certain parts of a, of a website that have like this flow. Obviously you have like subheaders, you have headers, you have maybe, um, your tagline or something important that you're using. And then maybe the first few sentence of your paragraph is your hook. Like, I mean, I, I want people to click on it because they're interested to know about field and I, but like, I think that because we talk about how we met when we were 16, then people are like, Oh, like, but if I were to just say like, Hey, like we were photographers and we, you know, now we're designers, like people, people don't really care about that as much as they mm. might care about something personal. Interesting. Um, so kind of finding that like balance of um, being professional, obviously, but then also having that hook, like with clients that we have, um, when they send us their about copy, I always take, um, like I read it, like I'm their client and I'm, I'm reading through it. And if there's something that grabs me about it, I'm like, Oh, this needs to be like, your first sentence of your paragraph to your about section, because people are only going to read that far, most likely. Mm. So um, we want to hook them right away. So like we have um, this client um, that we worked with, she was one of our very first like big custom builds that we did, Karina Bryant, she's out of San Diego. Um, And she sent me a huge long paragraph about her about section, you know, to put in there. And instead of like taking the whole thing and just copying and pasting it into her homepage to where people had to read it all, 
you know, we just started with like, hey, like, hey, I'm Karina. And then the next sentence says, but my friends call me KB. And then mm-hmm. it talks about like her life um, as as a military wife. Um, okay. And like people connect with that, but they may not connect with everything else that you're putting out there. So um, definitely reeling it in as far as like what you want to say on that homepage, keeping that um, concise and um, but then just a, and then so. a clear call to action to if, if they yeah. want more they can go where I, I think that's For a great sure. balance a little bit tease them send them to the page that's dedicated to that and then right. just open up <laughs> all, all yeah we're want. hoping like if you go to our about page and you like who we are as people then you're going to reach out to us and contact us to be to work with you but if you don't go to our about page you at least know a tiny snippet about who we are and like you can keep scrolling at that point so, because there should be more call to actions below that, you know, yep. like there's, oh, 100%. you know, that's really the whole purpose and in, in the website flow is to create those call to actions throughout the entire web page. Hmm. Yeah. That so. could probably be a topic in and of itself, but we'll keep going. Yeah, so really script font <laughs> is one thing that could be detrimental to converting yes. clients. It may look pretty in the moment. We think it looks cute, but it's not necessarily helping us convert uh, Too little copy. And then mm-hmm. what's the third one? Um, so the third one, um, for me, I think this is like the biggest mistake and this is going to like touch a nerve with some people and I, I actually don't feel bad about it. I'm just going to say it. Um, they design based or they create their website based on what their peers are going to think of them instead of what their clients are going to think of them. And because of that, they focus on their desktop Hmm. and and just the statistics will show you that 75% of people, especially your clients, are not looking on a desktop. And if they are looking on a desktop, it's a 13-inch monitor. So, like, mm-hmm. people really stress out about how their um, website looks and how it appears on um, a 20-inch Mac, you know? And it's like, that's not what your clients are looking at. Sure. But also... Um, because they do that, they forget about mobile and the mobile experience is so important. So when you design, obviously you want your desktop to look beautiful, but you want your mobile to look just as beautiful because it's important that the, the people that are your actual clients are engaging with your website and not your peers. Yeah, that's an interesting one. And I, I found that that's true even when it comes to photographic style or even the photographic services being offered to clients. It seems like mm-hmm. there's so much concern about what your peers think about their photographic style, the way that the images are being processed, and not necessarily what the client actually cares about. And I think it really is mm-hmm. important to remember that. And by the way, I say these things, pretty much everything that I talk about and I'm recommending to our clients, I say from personal experience too, because I've gotten too fixated on this idea or that, whether it was in, within photography or running photographer's edit or otherwise, about some idea that I built up in my head to be super, super important. And the reality is the end client doesn't necessarily care that much about that particular thing or their interests right. lie <laughs> elsewhere. And that's actually what I need to be focusing on. And if I actually cared to just have a conversation, listen a little bit, I would realize that. But it's yeah. it's so easy as sole proprietors, individual business owners in our space, day in and day out, yeah. looking at our stuff to just get fixated on what it is that we know. And it kind of ends there. And that can certainly be prohibitive to converting clients. Yeah. So I'm glad that you bring that up. It's hard. I think, you know, we all want to... Um we all want to impress our peers. Like that's just natural. That's human nature for us to, to do that. Um, but when we sit down and have the conversation with clients or this is like where, where that honesty and that patience comes into play 
when we have meetings and and they're super stressed out about how an image or text looks when it's stretched across 24, 20 inches versus 13, I that's when I have to have that like heart to heart and say like, what, why are you stressed out about this? Mm-hmm. Like, here's, here's the statistics to back up what I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's completely up to you. If you really want me to make that change, I will, because I want you to be happy. But I really want you to think about why you're asking for that. Um, because I'll tell you that your client is not looking at it on that screen. And so <laughs> it's a it's a heart to heart that I have to have literally with every client, sure. every single client. Sure. Because as designers, as creatives, as photographers, we all have huge screens and we're all looking at at these, you know, websites and other people's websites on that. And so we we compare ourselves to that. And that's just not one, it's not healthy for us as as individuals and small business owners, but it's not healthy for our business. Like at the end of the day, I want your business to be successful. Hmm. And if your um, potential client is um, your, your everyday person that's looking at your website that wants to book you as their wedding photographer on the, on a mobile site, then why are we stressing about a 20 inch max screen? Like, why are we stressed about that? So um, really just getting down to like the seed of what the real problem is mm. always. <laughs> yep. And then, and then going from there. And like I said, I'm flexible. I'm willing to like, um, compromise and make changes and stuff like that. But, um, there, there's always that conversation of let's talk about why this is bothering you because it's, um, is it really important or, is it just something that you're worried that somebody else is going to, you know, that one of your peers is going to think is not good enough or something like that? So, um, and, and, I, and I don't even mean it from a standpoint of like, let's not worry about our peers, what our peers have to say about our stuff. When it, when it comes down to design, I think people make that mistake really frequently. They're, hmm. they're designing for photographers to look at their website and yeah. be impressed by them yeah. um, a lot of the times. And it's really the client that we need to focus on because that's how you get your conversions. So um, unless you only shoot photographers, like if you're a photographer that shoots photographers and like maybe that's a different, oh, that's a whole different, you know, absolutely. niche, but yeah. yeah. No, I've, I've so, seen it. It's a very similar conversation when it comes to editing too. A lot of the things yeah. that we pay attention to as photographers, myself included, I shot weddings for about 10 years and I would get yeah. I, like super stressed editing photos, getting fixated on this needs to be just this perfect thing. Yeah. And the reality is I was editing for myself, not for the end client. And mm-hmm, it's not about compromising sure. in quality. It's about realizing yeah. the difference between what actually matters to a, as far as a finished image goes to the end client and what we notice because we spend hours and hours and hours doing a particular thing, whether it's in front of a big screen or you know adjusting the white balance of an image. These are things that are important to us and to other photographers. We just can't afford to simply yeah. project that onto our clients, assume that they have the same needs, interests, desires, et cetera. And so I love that you highlight that. But let's let's kind of flip the direction of the conversation. We're yeah. talking about what doesn't work. Let's talk about what does work. And by the yes. way, also can look good. I know that you've yeah. got a few points to share here. So go to town. I do. Yeah. So, um, one of the things that you can focus on, um, that actually you can make look good, be creative is clear and creative call to actions. So I will say that nobody that I have found does this better than Jenna Kutcher. Nobody. Okay. Um, her call to actions, um, obviously they're clear as far as 
you know, you want to create, um, you know, a box around it or, you know, have some fun little arrow or something like that. I mean, obviously you can be totally creative when it comes to that. Um, but her wording that she uses, again, this is, um, just really good copy and, and making sure that you invest in, in a good copywriter, um, for your website, having call to actions that mix it up, that are fun, that are, are, are touching on different people. They're, they're actually meeting somebody else where they're at. Like, I'm not going to connect to everything she says, but she changes it up so much that like I'm connecting to something like, Hmm, and that's the importance of like what you do on your website. It's not just like, Hey, learn, you know, it's, and it's funny because of course on my mind, I have learned more right away. Um, but you know, explore the process, get the details. Um, don't be shy, like say, Hey, like, and, and different people connect with different verbiage on your website and they, and they ultimately click on it, hopefully. So um, don't be afraid to like push the boundaries on call to actions because I think that's an area where you can get really creative, you can have a lot of fun, and um, you can be bold. That's like one of the areas where you could be really bold um, is your call to actions. So, and like I said, no, nobody does it better than Jenna. So, well, and for everybody who's, who's listening to the audio, I was scrolling through Jenna's site as Carrie was talking, just as kind of an example. But Carrie, do you feel like there is, I'm sure it's hard to put an exact number, for example, on, on the number of calls to action, let's say, for example, on a homepage. Yeah. Would you say that there needs to at least be one per section? Uh, section, for lack of a better word. But how yeah. would you actually quantify how many calls to action should be on a given page? Right. Yeah. So I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say always one per section. Cause I think like some sections are used, um, honestly, even on my own website and ones I build, they're used more as buffers or visual stimulants to kind of keep the people going, keep okay. a flow going. Okay. Um, but definitely creating call to actions throughout your page, um, strategically where, where you want people to go. Like, for me, I want people to reach out to us because when I actually get somebody on the phone and talk to them, I like 90% of the time book them. Yeah. So my whole goal is to get somebody to contact me. Okay. Um, so for us, you know, I, I have that throughout the page a little more, whereas on um, somebody else's site, it may be that they... Uh, really want them to qualify more before they reach out to them. So maybe that is something like explore the process or um, learn more about our philosophy and and how we work, Um, get to know us. Like that's super important. Like when you're a wedding photographer and you want to make sure you connect with people. Well, and I like your, your recommendation a la Jenna Kutcher about kind of mixing up the calls to action, the variety, instead mm-hmm. of just the same call that they action over and over and over again, use different words, different phrases that might yeah. resonate with one person, maybe not the other and mix it up throughout the site so that you're able to connect with as many people as possible. I think that's a great recommendation. Also something that I need to take yeah. to, to my websites too. So yeah, I love it. Oh, for sure. Same. I mean, it's so honestly building a website, maintaining a website is a lot of work. It's hard. And sometimes even, for me, like it would be like being a photographer and never having your photo taken. Like mm. that happens to us all the, that happens to them all the time. Sure. You know, like they're not getting photo shoots done, but they're doing photo shoots. And it's the same thing when it comes to designers and, um, you know, 
I look at my website and I think of how much work it has left, you know, like how many more things I need to do. And that's all part of like, I would like to say like for people that are, you know, in the process or going to build a website, it doesn't have to be like start to finish. Like you put up a website and you're, it's done. Like it's a constant, constant changes, constant refinement. And that's just part of the process. Like it doesn't have to be perfect. Um, but there is strategy that goes into it 100%. So even if you put up on online presence is better than nothing. So like you put up a website and then you, um, you know, have some downtime, you're in your off season, then you take the time to like really work out your strategy, your brand position and start implementing those things into your website and what that looks like. And, um, whether that's like creative call to actions or it's um, making your brand position really clear, qualifying your clients right away. So just all those little things, you don't have to do all these things. You just, if you do some of them, it will help you convert to your clients. So, well, and, and the whole idea of a call to action is a reflection, or at least hopefully is a reflection of that very word that you just said, strategy. There's intention in mm-hmm. the website. We're not just putting up pretty pictures and a little bit of copy. There's intention right. behind this, which hopefully for most our listeners is going to be to convert clients. Yeah. And so we need to utilize call to actions for that purpose. That's a great first one. Again, sure. I'm taking notes as you're talking. Take us to the next one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the next one I have is actually um, movement and transitions. And this okay. is just something that, um, you know, I don't necessarily think it's a high conversion it's, it's beautiful and it keeps people on your website. So from my standpoint, if I'm keeping you on my website, then I have a better chance of conversion. So um, if that's small video clips or it's making sure that like words are transitioning in, fading in, um, just that feeling, it makes people feel like one, the site's professional and two, that they're really like experiencing something. So, um, yeah, there's not a lot to say about that one, but I definitely think it helps keep people engaged. So, and is that something as simple as like, like a, an arrow pointing down so they know they need to keep scrolling or are we talking something a little bit more dynamic than that? Yeah. So, um, it can be, it can be something as simple as, as arrows, but it can be, um, as they scroll, like an image fading in an image fading out, um, important text popping up at certain times that might um, engage them to actually read the text okay. instead of it just being already there and okay. they're just scrolling to scroll. Um, videos in between things to really break things up and just give the mind a break for a second as far as like it not having to like read something. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think it's obviously, it's a little bit of an art form, um, mm. transitions and... Uh, creating movement on your website, but it can even be, you know, lines. We're going to talk about it a little later, but like, um, not thinking of your website as blocks anymore. Like that's, that's not, that's not, that's how we usually think of it is like, yeah. cause we're building them individually as blocks, right. right? but, but they're not, it's, it's one seamless website that needs to flow in hmm. on the page. So thinking about it more like that and creating transitions with that in mind. Okay. All right, so we've got awesome. clear calls to action and plenty of them and yes. a variety of them, hopefully, as well. We yes. Get creative with the copy. Yeah, yeah, get fun. It's fun, I think. And then movement I've, and transition, as you just yeah. mentioned. What's the third one? Yeah. 
Um, so the, the third one obviously, um, is something that we do on our website, but making your brand position really clear. Um, it doesn't have to be right away. It doesn't like Hmm. it could be halfway down the page as long as it's really clear and concise and to the point. Um, why why would you say it doesn't need to be right away? I'm, I'm curious your take on that. You know, I think it just depends on, on the actual business. If it's something that, especially with something like photography or in an industry where, um, like art or beauty is, is very important. I don't necessarily think it has to be right away because Mm. the imagery might be what keeps them there. Um, so really strong imagery right up top. Um, and, and then go into a brand position. And I would say like it, it probably needs to be in at least the top third of your website, you know? Um, but you know, if you have really strong imagery, honestly, that might capture somebody enough to at least scroll, keep scrolling down. Um, so yeah. And just making sure that whatever your wording is that you're qualifying somebody and then you're also making them feel like they're in the right place because um, people will want to stick around the right people like your people for your website are going to want to stick around if they feel like you're speaking to them oh absolutely so um, you know so I would hope that when people come to our website you know they uh, get that down-to-earth vibe from us and also just from our work that we do and so we want to work with, with people that connect with that. And, and if they don't, that's okay. It's actually great. Like if, if you don't connect with that and you click off my website, that does not hurt my feelings at all because we want to make sure that we're connecting with the right people. And I think most photographers want that too. They want Absolutely. their clients to be like-minded, you know, individuals. So Well, and that, that brand position just uh, ultimately acts as a bit of a filter, if if the person lands on the for site, sure. they see the position statement, they know this either matches what they're looking for or not, that may save everybody time at the end of the day, if yeah. that's stated up front. I, what I have found, you mentioned potentially having the brand position further down the page. One of the things that I've seen is I've done some analysis and actually brand position consultations from for some of our guests over mm-hmm. the years or over the time that we've been doing this podcast. I've noticed that some photographers, as I'm looking at these photographers' competition in their marketplace that you might be able to find something resembling a brand position, but it is further down the page and it's not necessarily mm-hmm. distinct from the other copy. It's just kind of lumped in with all the other text. Right. So now you've got a potential client who's not only having to scroll to find it, but is having to kind of comb through a bunch of text in order to get to the point. And yeah. at that point we may have lost their, their attention. Right. Yeah. That's a little, that, that definitely um, is not going to work as well, especially if it's not in, um, if it's not highlighted in a way that's standing out on its own, because people are, they're going to skim to read and they're, if they see like text constantly, they actually just skip over it. Mm -hmm. So, um, making sure it's very clear and, and that's what like the main point is making your brand position clear because, um, and that's going to be with different text or bold or underlined or in a different block of color or something that actually qualifies your client right off the bat. So, um, so yeah, I've seen that clear too. Clear and present brand position. I think yeah. that, that kind of sums it up pretty well. Yeah. And we've got just a couple of minutes here. I think you've got a couple yeah. more points to share though with our listeners. Yes, what are those? Yes. 
Um, so this one's pretty easy. Um, I sh- well, I shouldn't say it's easy. It's kind of hard to make it all work, but, um, offering an, a freebie on your okay. website. Okay. So, because if you can't convert somebody on the website to reach out to you, um, just to reach out and contact, maybe they're mm. not at the place where that they're ready for that. Um, and if you're, you know, for us, we offer freebies as far as like things that help people along the way in photography. Like we help other photographers with like their SEO and, and, um, style and, and stuff like that, finding fonts that work for you. Those are our freebies, but like as a wedding client, you know, for a wedding photographer or a photographer, you know, maybe it's, um, a wardrobe guide or, um, a timeline for their wedding, things like that. Because even if you don't convert them the first time you visit the website, like as far as them reaching out to you personally, if you capture their email, then that is a conversion because now you have a way to contact them, hmm. to reach out to them and to potentially book them still as a client. So I think of a freebie as a conversion. So okay. if you can put a freebie on your website and offer that to people um, and you can capture their email, then you're in a, a really good place, actually. That's that's valuable. It's something valuable to have is somebody's email. Yeah, so. contact info and enables you to follow up with them. Mm-hmm. Besides offering something like a, a timeline, for example, a timeline template, do you have two or three other suggestions for photographers specifically? Um, for photographers specifically, um, like I said, I think uh, I have some friends that offer like wardrobe type checklists, okay. like how to how to dress your family for a family session or mm. um, maybe if it's, if it's a, if it's a wedding couple, um, you know, important photos that they don't want to miss out on, like give them ideas, Hmm. um, let them know, like anything to give people the impression that you're an authority on something, um, automatically, um, you know, makes your business more legit than somebody else's. So, and you're adding value you can take that stance. Oh, for sure. That's, yeah. That's a big one. Yeah. I think it, like when you gave that example about the, the free shot list, I think about somebody who is interested in booking a photographer, hasn't yet. I offer mm-hmm. them that thing. And initially, maybe they weren't ready to book right that second, but they got this freebie. And then over the next week, maybe they looked at a couple other photographers, but they got this thing of value from right. my business. And it may make them think an extra time or two about my business in comparison to some of those other businesses out there that are just... For sure. They're not simply doing anything um, right. to try to, yeah. to add value or to, yeah. to ultimately give the freebie. So that's that's pretty compelling. That's never something I did yeah. as a as a photographer, and and I think maybe I missed out on the opportunity a little. Oh, bit. <laughs> that's okay. I honestly I didn't do it as a photographer um, when it came to potential clients. It's something we gave our our clients that booked with us. Yes, yes you know. Same. Same. But yeah, I mean to to give somebody something free and they don't have to give anything back, like. You you already are establishing a connection. Uh oh, I think we may have lost Carrie. Carrie, are you still there? Carrie, did I lose you? Let's see. Um, I'm going to give Carrie a second, maybe just to to call back in. And um, we'll <laughs> we'll try to fill this the space, fill the silence. I, you all may have noticed if you uh, have begun watching our live streams as of late, 
the uh, well, it's quite dark here today. Normally, I have a lot of ambient light coming in. In addition to my ring light, I have a lot of ambient light coming in, and it kind of fills the room with light, and it works really, really well. Today, there are storms in the area, and unfortunately, the storms mean that it's super dark outside. That also could mean that it's affecting internet connection at the moment. So that may be playing in. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I hope that's not the case, and hopefully we can get Carrie back in here in just a second. We'll, we'll continue on. In the meantime, while, while we're waiting, just as kind of a, a point of review, uh, she just actually, let's rewind a little bit further back. We talked about three different things not to do. They may be pretty, but they're not going to help convert clients as effectively. Number one was utilizing script font. And I, I was trying actually, as she was talking to, to find an example of my original business card for my original business name, Expressive Photography. Don't ask. Terrible, terrible name. But Expressive Photography, and we had this crazy script font that we were using that in this day and age, I would absolutely make fun of. Anyway, script font. Don't use script font. Use a simple font that is either sans serif or if it is a serif font, if it has the little, for lack of a better word, little doohickeys on the end of the, the letters, um, make sure that it's at least clear, legible, easy to read. And certainly when you're putting headings for something like a brand position statement, for example, make sure that it is extremely easy to read, that the font is large enough and you're even bolding that font, that text, so that it's easy to read. Avoid too little copy. You don't want to bombard people with paragraphs of information that ultimately they're not going to read. Carrie pointed out the fact that, that a lot of times people aren't going to stay around long enough to read paragraphs of text. But make sure that you give them enough. That's really important. And then designing a website for peers. Let's make sure that we're designing a website for our potential clients, their actual needs, interests, desires, not just to simply impress our peers, other photographers, or to impress ourselves for that matter. I think we, we do that quite a bit. We're guilty of that. I know I've been guilty of that as a business owner, doing things that I like, not necessarily those things that are relevant to potential clients. That was something to keep in mind. Then the things that she said to, to do, oh, and she's, she's coming back in. Hold on one second. We might be able to get her back in one second here. All right, let's see. Carrie, are you there? Yes. Ah, we got you back. Oh my goodness, what happened? <laughs> you totally froze up. <laughs> I'm not sure. Oh, no. I, I was telling our listeners that with the storms in the area today, I don't know if there was some some type of an effect on our oh, connection, yeah, yeah. maybe. I'm not sure. But we were. Yeah. I, I was actually reviewing the points that you had shared. So, oh, okay, good. Number, good. number four of the things to do uh, was offer a freebie. And I think you've got a fifth one. What's that last one before we lose connection yes. again? Yeah, no worries. Um, so the last one is actually something, um, this is definitely what I would recommend a designer for, um, is creating flow. A lot of people, um, even people that have tried to do their website on their own, like one of the things they tell us is they just don't know how to make it flow. Hmm. Um, which is something like, if you think about, it's something you don't think about, right? Like flow is not something that's on the forefront of your mind when it comes to building a website. It's like, it's all these pieces that you have that you're completing, that you're compiling together. And like the last thing you're thinking about is creating this visual flow for your clients to experience. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I, I think I alluded to it earlier, like you gone are the days of like building like one block at a time and like, and, and especially like, I remember like it was a thing to like have blocks of color, like 
you know, oh, yeah. you're green and then you're white and then you're black. And then, yep. you're, you know, like those, those days are kind of gone and creating this visually um, stimulating experience where people are following um, with intention down your website and, mm-hmm. and you guide, you're guiding them. Like you're mm-hmm. the tour guide. So just mm-hmm. think about that when you're creating your website yeah. and what that looks like as far as on the back end designing is, is making sure that the, the block above is actually leading into the block below, like with intention. So whether that's, um, images overlapping into, into blocks, being opposite of each other to where the eye actually is traveling almost like a snake down, like an S down your website. Like that's what you want to create. Yeah. Um, I've actually got your website pulled up here where you do just that. You have the, the image on the left-hand side, the text on the right, and then you, you reverse that the next section down and they reverse that again. And that really is visually just so appealing that way. And you're, you're utilizing blocks there, but it's creating flow simultaneously. That's kind of an interesting kind of coexistence of the two concepts. Yeah, it has to, there's like this really fine balance of, of making sure that the information that you're trying to feed people is digestible. Like it's in these sections that they can digest, Hmm. but then at the same time, um, they want to go to the next section or visually they have to, you know, so, um, and, and sometimes that looks like, like putting graphics or, or, um, lines through your website that actually take the eye down, um, when there's not, say you have like a really clean website that's sure. white, um, and adding maybe really small lines or framing things yeah. to where people's eye goes to the next section. Mm-hmm. And then, um, even the next section is maybe text instead where, Somebody has to look left. So um, it's a little bit of an art form, but you really can accomplish it on your own. It's just having that mindset. Carrie, Carrie of no, this is the, the time flow. where you're saying you can't accomplish it on your own. You need to hire my business. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't do everybody's website. <laughs> fair, but... <laughs> fair. <laughs> well, to that end, yeah. actually, I think this is a great segue. And by the way, I, thank you for making so much time to share so much information, practical information at that with yeah, our listeners. But I, I do want to shout out your, your company and your website because I know myself, it, too many times as a business owner, I've tried to play designer. Uh, you know, whether it's to save money in the yeah. moment or because we have too many projects going on, budget doesn't allow, whatever it is. And mm-hmm. I just, I, I constantly fall short. And I know that our listeners, most of them as photographers are not naturally designers. They may have an eye for what looks pretty and what doesn't. But at the right. end of the day, when we're talking about designing a website that actually converts and these elements mm-hmm. that you're, you're referencing, like calls to action or user interface, which has a flow to it that naturally takes them through the website in a way that's ultimately right. going to convert them again. These types of things we're, we're not as photographers trained to do. It's important yeah. to reach out to a professional and, and to, to be clear to everybody listening and watching, Carrie did not ask me to sell her on the, on the no. podcast today, but I, I just, I, I want to, to give our listeners an opportunity and I'm, I'm going to pull up your website again yeah. here for those of you that are watching online, but um, just briefly share with our listeners how they can reach out to you to learn a little bit more, get in touch, maybe even set up a consultation. Yeah. So, um, if you go to our website, asinwim.com, um, you can view all of our services there as well as, um, just reach out to us, contact us. You can even text us. Um, we have a text button at the bottom and honestly, I have people reach out to me and text me, just ask me a question about show it and, and I don't even know if they're going to be a client or not eventually, but we genuinely want to help people. So 
um, feel free to shoot us a text message or contact us on our contact page. Um, and we can, you know, start that process, what that looks like. And, and not everybody that reaches out to us is ready to book. And there's definitely things that you have to consider when you want to invest in a website. So I'm the kind of person that is more DIY. I like to do things on my own and that's kind of where I've, how I've gotten where I am, you know? Um, but of course, uh, as a small business owner, we want to take that pressure off of other small business owners because you really can't um, give a website the time and attention it needs right. when you have another business to run. Right. So it's just not it's not feasible. So 100%. Well, I've, I've got your yeah. website up on the screen for those that are watching the, yeah. the live feed, aceandwim.com. And then, of course, also your Instagram, aceandwim. And we'll put this in the show notes yeah. at bocapodcast.com for everybody who is watching or listening. But Carrie, I want to say thanks again for making time for all of us. And despite the technical difficulties, making time for all of us. And (laughs) uh, we'll make sure to to share, again, the the links that we referenced, the resources, the talking points that all be in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. For everybody listening in, make sure you take advantage of those show notes, a pretty wealthy resource of information. And uh, again, all you have to do is go to bocapodcast.com. Thank you once again, Carrie. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye-bye.